All right, man. You want to do the uh, the the language, the profanity warning this week? Ah, uh, yeah, I can do that. Um, just let me know when you're ready. Yeah, go for it, man. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, Knights of the Braille proudly bring to you a podcast that has adult language and adult content and may not be suitable for all listeners. And if you're not down with that, you know what, Jim? I got two words for you. Roll it. All right. Mm, Not bad. Very profesh. If you can hear that, that is a sound of Christmas music in November. Richard, how do you feel about playing Christmas music in November? Um, you're probably not ready for this answer, but I have been playing it since November the 1st. Goddamn. My my Christmas tree was up like November the 2nd or 3rd. You are everything that's wrong with (laughs) with the world at the moment. It's December 1st, man. What are you doing? No... It's November the 1st. I, I can ask you, what are you doing? I mean, it's, post, it's Christmas. How can you enjoy it if you wait till December to put it up? When you go into the store to do your Christmas shopping, the poor staff in those stores, their mental health is draining as they listen to the same Christmas playlist for two months every day. You can see them dead inside, man. And you're just contributing to the problem. <laughs> ah, but see, my Christmas pray- playlist is not the same as theirs. It's got some South Park on there, uh, Kevin, Bloody Wilson, regular Christmas music. So it's all a big mix. So sometimes you'll laugh, sometimes you'll cry, sometimes you'll want to pull your hair out, but I don't have any because I'm bald. So, you know, therefore I, I don't have to pull my hair out. So How my, long is my your... prepared mix? Uh, 19, 19 hours and like 42 Jesus minutes. Jesus Christ! 19 <laughs> hours? What <laughs> yes. Um, All kinds of Christmas music. Like I said, original, the, the funny ones. You know, and I don't like sit there and listen to 19 hours and something each day, you know, because it'll shuffle. So it's like different every day, usually. I just imagine you sleeping with it playing in the background and like humming along in your sleep. Sometimes, sometimes I'll dream about Santa Claus. Hey guys, for some reason our audio cut out at this point, but as I'm sure you can imagine, Richard saw the error of his ways and came around to my side of starting music on December 1st. But what's your opinion? Are you wrong and believe that Christmas music should start on November 1st? Or are you right and think that music should start on December 1st? Let us know. And without further ado, here is the rest of the podcast, which hopefully recorded correctly. We're going to talk about mainly running the game. Um, But for announcements this week, I mean, there aren't really many. I've got a spot opened up in my Wrath and Glory game, if anyone wants to jump in. Um... I haven't seen too many announcements on the games channel this week. What about you, Richard? Do you have any announcements? Um, I am nearly finished writing the one shot for the Star Wars um, episode on the 4th. So, looking forward to that. Um, And starting Wednesday, uh, unfortunately, and we'll get to this later in the episode, I will be starting the Rhyme of the Frost Maiden campaign. Ooh. Uh, so it it's a lot different than Curse of Strahd. It's still a horror, but there's a lot more new elements for a DM. 
Uh, it's not one that I would suggest running for a first time DM, but you know, we can talk about that later in the episode. Yeah, well, that will it'll branch nicely into that after talking about running the game. Um, but yeah, this <laughs> week we wanted to talk about um, running the game, and I know um, Richard feels very strongly about you know encouraging other people to run games as i do so uh, richard i'll hand it over to you i um did probably fix to take a nap here as i start talking uh i'm giving this a second i'm cli- <laughs> i'm climbing up on my pedestal you know in my soapbox looking down upon all you peons now since i have been knighted um, oh yeah that's <laughs> true how are you feeling after your knighthood well, the scab is starting to fall off and we like cut off the bottom part of my ear, so you know, it, it's nicely. Nice, that's nice, right. nice. It, you know, that's why we're <laughs> born with two ears, right? Exactly. You know, now I can't hang my uh pirate earring in my earlobe, but you know, it's okay. It's okay. I'm healing and <laughs> uh but you know, as Jim said about, you know, I encourage people to run games because it is quite different than playing a character because you have multiple characters to play, you know, and and I apologize like beforehand for saying, you know, and um, Jim can probably attest to this, that that's the DM's way of catching their thoughts, trying to gather their thoughts up for the next five or six so or so sentences <laughs> um i find myself doing it quite often and yes it does tick me off but i can't stop at the same time it, it's it's a lot of fun to run them you're playing multiple characters in but you have a lot to keep up with i'm not saying it's easy but it's not as hard as what what people think at, at the same time would you agree with that jim yeah absolutely See, I woke him up. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm asking a question every <laughs> once in a while. Hey, uh, hey you still there, Jim? And Jim be like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, it, it. I think the the worst part is that people think it's a, such a daunting task that it's that it's overwhelming. And, and that's just a thought because once you get into it, it it's not as bad as what you think. Now I'm a a proponent of doing pre-written campaigns the majority of the work is done for you you just have to the way i do it i go in and take notes and then the party says one line and all the notes are useless then you know and i've had that i've had that happen several times with you know adrian and jesse and philip and and michael and, and then zach who joined in with us you know i have like pages and pages of notes that I have meticulously taken all week long and then for instance Adrian's character said well I'm going to go up there and talk to that guy oh okay so he goes and talks to him and says yeah I want to help out okay yeah and then the rest of the whole episode because this always happens at the beginning of an episode um or a session the rest of everything is completely useless. I'm winging it, and you know, so thankful that I read ahead and can remember some of the things. But it's you have to be ready to to what was what's the word improvisation? I know I did not say that right. Yeah. Um. So I did say it right. Yeah, yeah man. Pl- 
plus one advantage Despite to me. Despite your, your Georgian impediment, you, you managed to say it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. You know, thankfully you didn't cut off my tongue with that big long sword <laughs> last week. Um, but you have to be ready for that. Read ahead. Uh, hopefully you can remember some of the things that you've come across. As long as you're doing a pre-written campaign. Uh, I think Jim's one that he's running is strictly homebrew. Um, I'm not really sure there. You know, we'll get him to talk about it here in a minute. But I would suggest that you find a a one shot to run. You know, see if you like being a DM because it's and and Jim can agree or disagree with this. It's not for everybody. It's not as hard as you think, but it's it's not for everybody at the same time. You know, I particularly enjoy it, but at the same time, I also enjoy playing. You know, it's your world. Have fun with it. Yeah, I agree, man. Touched on a lot of stuff there. You know, I think the nervousness of people jumping in as a dungeon master stems from the same issue that stops people jumping into the game as players, which is that they think that they should know the game in and out and that people will be upset with them if they're not on top of it immediately. I know that a lot of players apologize profusely when they first start playing because they're like, oh, I don't know this, oh, I'm sorry. And it's like, you're you're not supposed to know it. You know, you you learn as you go. And being a dungeon master, as I said in the Discord, it's a chicken and the egg, you know. You, You have to do it for the first time at some point. And... You know, I learn in life by failing at things. I that is the best way that I learn is by doing and by failing. And I've I've failed some sessions of Dungeons and Dragons where I've gone in with an idea, we're going to try this uh, this week, and then it hasn't worked out. And that's just the way you have to do it. And as Richard says, it's good to have a short campaign, like a one shot or a couple of sessions to run and see how they go and then reflect on it afterwards just to give you a an overview of how long it would take me to prepare a homebrew session you know i'm running this wrath and glory mini campaign three to four sessions and it's taken me two months to prepare the story because that's just how long it takes me um you know maybe you've got a big idea in your head and you know how it's going to go but the best approach is to grab an adventure as richard says something pre-written and jump in with that see how it goes improvisation is also a big part people are going to throw curveballs at you you just got to react <laughs> and you can always turn it on the players and and ask them you know well what what do you think would happen or what what do you intend to have happen here that's why i ask a lot is well what what are you trying to do here and that way they they plan it out for you and you can just fill in the blanks and then the last thing that richard was talking about was that it's not for everyone you know running a game is very different to playing it playing it comes in sort of two ways is that either you're playing for your own enjoyment i want to have fun here i want to enjoy the game or you're playing because you want to support the party and work as a group and have fun collectively when you're running the game your main concentration is the party if you're running the game with the intention of i want to run a story that is going to suit what i want to do and the players are going to adapt to that then the players will get bored with it pretty quick you have to accommodate what they want to do 
and you have to work collaboratively to tell the story and work together. Um, if one group takes over, so if the party take over, the dungeon master is not going to have fun anymore. And if the dungeon master takes over, likewise, they're not going to have fun. So it's all about consideration and trying to push forward so that everyone enjoys the experience. And, you know, as Richard says, it's not for everyone because sometimes you're like, oh, you know, I just want to sit down, have fun, turn my brain off after. I don't want to have to prepare for next week. I don't want to have to worry about the ongoing adventure. What do you think about that, Richard? Um, I, I would never try to say some of those words that you said, especially not in something that everybody can hear. You know, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I, I fully agree. But you do not know whether it's for you or not until you give it a shot. Um, I also think that you have someone in there who is experienced who can help you out if you get stuck or you know um can give you some advice like for instance and i know i pick on on jesse a lot um but he, he's a really good guy really smart really good player yeah he's ran a couple of one shots and you know he's he asked me if i would play and of course i wanted to play anyway you know but he would ask like what do you think about this what what should i do here and he's wanting to learn he's wanting to be a dm eventually and what better way to learn than through experience you know trial and error find out what works for you it's it's taken me a while to do that what you know what works for me like in the beginning i took way too many notes and i still think that i do but trying to prepare for the group on Wednesday, you try to gather in every single thing that they may possibly do, and they still throw you a curveball. You know, um, just be prepared for you and be ready to change your plans. You know, if if you're a dungeon master and you want the party to play your campaign, you know, you want to push them one way or the other, that's okay in a sense, but if you're going to be like that like no matter what your story is going to be told write a book or write a short story you know you have to work together with your party as jim said with that big c word that i'm not going to try to say uh, you know <laughs> it, it it's it's working together all of y'all together are telling the story not one side or the other yeah that's the thing is that you're not the ultimate voice of authority you're more of a referee when the player wants to do something, let's say you're brand new to Dungeons and Dragons and you've decided, hey, I want to run a game for a group. The two best things to do are one, communicate with them that you are new to running games and they will give you a lot of leeway. Uh, they'll help a lot. And then the other thing is to, uh, as I said, collaborate in terms of their character. So let's say you're brand new, you they want to cast Magic Missile they say, hey, Dungeon Master, I want to cast Magic Missile. And you have no idea how to do that. Say to them, hey, guys, I'm not that familiar with Magic Missile. Why don't you read the rules out to the group and, and we can discuss how this is going to work. And then you gain a better understanding that way. Everyone has their input and everyone feels like they're contributing rather than you just sitting there trying to figure out the rules behind the scenes, holding things up and then just throwing an answer at them that maybe they're not satisfied with. People are much more responsive when you try to work with them rather than at them. And so that's why I always say you're a referee because if people start saying, oh, I think it's done this way, I think it's done that way, you say, okay, well, let's meet in the middle and then we can check the rules uh, later and figure that out. 
Exactly, and that's one thing I we try to do on Wednesdays is, you know, cast fireball. Well, let's read out the description because people, you know, may be checking into the podcast for the first time. They may be, you know, long-time listeners. I, you know, I don't know what their level of expertise or whatever is. So, and it's always good for, you know, somebody to read it out so that the players know that the dungeon master knows because there is no way there's anybody out there who knows what every single spell does i mean i know i don't i know the spells that i use a lot so you know but there's no way that somebody out there knows every single spell i don't care who the dm is even the spells i use a lot i forget stuff i think i know it through and through and then i'm like yeah this is how you do it and then i read it and then i think oh i forgot about that little part there that sentence Yes, um, it, it happens. We are human people. Well, Jim may not be. He's kind of like a cyborg mix, but, you know, <laughs> most, most of us are still human. <laughs> most of you have a soul. Yes, uh, he's just a straight up like robot, you know, but we are human. We do make mistakes, even though I joke around with everybody and say I don't make mistakes. You know, we all do. We and a lot of the rules are up for interpretation as well so be prepared to meet in the middle and you know all in all i think rule number one is have fun yeah i you know dungeon masters the the last thing i'd sort of share from my perspective is the dungeon masters aren't a special breed they're human beings they're just running the game for fun they haven't gone to college for three years to learn the rules of Dungeons and Dragons and they don't know everything. Um, every Dungeon Master is at different levels as well. And, you know, I, I haven't watched a lot of it, but I know a lot of people are big fans of Critical Role. And I know that from what I've heard, Matthew Mercer is very competent Dungeon Master. He knows all the rules. Uh, he does all these cool voices. He, he has these cool story arcs. You're not expected to do all of that stuff. And you can take it slower. Just remember that those people are doing those shows for entertainment. And so they're purposefully trying to push things along at a certain pace. It's okay to take things slow. And it's okay to do it at a pace that's enjoyable to the group. Not everyone wants to rush through. And I know that the influence of these online shows have pushed players to, I'm going to do a funny voice and I'm going to rush forward into things very quickly and oh, I've got to get some of the limelight now. But just say, you know, hey guys, let's just slow down and let, let's talk about this. I think the last lesson I'd share that I've learned is that if you have a player that's saying, I'm doing this and I'm doing that, it's important to say, okay, but well, while you're doing that, let's check in with the other players. You know, how are you doing? What's your character up to? You know, uh, what What do they want to do here? What do they want to get out of this situation? It's important to include everyone and, and make sure that it's a group effort. Exactly. And and that is a one of the things that I think that I struggle with, even though other people say that I don't. I'm, a, I'm my own worst critic. You know, it's like trying to balance between like five or six different characters. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do and you're not going to be perfect everybody's not going to get the same amount of time that's just a straight up fact you know but you have to pick out what in my opinion you have to pick out what style you want to be are you a dungeon master that is pushing the storyline are you a dungeon master that 
you know, is pushing role playing and allowing your players to play, or are you someone who is like in the middle? Yeah, and and most of all, remember this: whenever you are doing this, you're not Matt Mercer. You are not well. One of my favorite dungeon masters is Monty Martin from. He's actually from Canada. You know, um, that does the dungeon dudes. You're not these people. You are whoever you are. Your style is not going to be the same as theirs. It's not going to be the same as mine or as Jim's. Yeah, you're going to find your groove. And even though you want to play folk music, you might be good at heavy metal drums. You know, you'll find it as you move along. And that's a good part Richard brings up is influences from other people. You know, I might not watch Critical Role, but I certainly do um, follow online personalities that talk about the game i know richard mentioned dungeon dudes there who give good advice um pair of guys that sit and talk about D. um i guess we can give some stuff that influences us uh, mine would definitely be uh matt matt coville um he does these videos where he'll talk about different aspects of the game from the perspective of someone just been running Dungeons and Dragons, you know, for 20, 30 years. And I get a lot out of his videos. Maybe I'll watch a half hour video and I'll get one good thing out of it where I'm like, wow, that's really changed my perspective on this one thing. And I've even found that um, years into running d and I'll go back and watch another video that I've seen before and take something different away from it after learning more through, through running the game. But uh, the person I watch and listen to the most is definitely uh, Matthew Coville. What about you, Richard? Um, Monty Martin and uh, Kelly McLaughlin, I think is his last name. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the Dungeon Dudes, uh, th- their campaign that they do with Drakenheim, uh, I've learned a lot through it, listening to them, because they will explain the rules and what the spell does. And if they don't understand it or don't agree, they will pick a way to go and then they will look it up like you know after the episode they do a lot i mean a lot of videos i think they're every week every thursday but they explain a lot you know so that you can get an idea of what to go on and how to play certain classes or certain races you know and that's that has helped me a ton as both a player and as a dungeon master so i definitely recommend them and we all know that i'm right jim's wrong so you know we we can go with the dungeon dudes there you know as as i think the the good thing about the dungeon dudes is that in their videos they explicitly say about certain topics this is how we like to do it but you know find your own way of doing things i think it's important to take advice from people that don't try and push things on you i'm right and this is the way that it should be done like dungeon dudes is definitely one where they're very aware that they're not experts they just share their experience exactly uh, really knowledgeable and like jim says they will straight up tell you you know we're not experts i think it's an important thing to take away and then we have tools as well i know someone was asking about dungeon master tools um the one thing i'd suggest is obviously the dungeon master's guide there's two ways you can get hold of it the first one is obviously through D beyond an accessible format that you can get it for i think it's around 30 bucks on there for the mm-hmm. digital version excellent and then shh, don't tell anyone this richard but we have a free version on our website 
um, an accessible dungeon master's guide that's free. It's on the Knights of the Braille website under the Dungeons and Dragons section. We also have the player's handbook, Xanathar's guide, Volo's guide. Uh, we've, we've got just about everything you need to run a game there. Um, but what and about you, Richard? What would you recommend? There's actually another way to get the Dungeon Master's Guide completely free and <clears throat> legal. Uh, if you are a member of the Library of Congress Bard website, the Dungeon Master's Guide book, audiobook is out there. It is free and, uh, you know, it's a lot to drag through, like trying to listen to it. Um, I can't remember how long it actually is, but... While I have it, I purchased it from D&D Beyond. Um, I, I can highly recommend it for the for the rules aspect. And if you're going to homebrew your campaign, I definitely recommend having, you know, the Dungeon Master's Guide, the Player's Handbook, and um, oh, what's that on Monster Manual? Those are the three that yeah. everybody says that you need. Uh and I've recently gotten into purchasing the books. I, I had the Dungeon Master's Guide, but I do not have the Player's Handbook, nor the Monster Manual. Uh, the tool that I use more often than not is a free tool. It's out there. Everybody can use it. It's called Google. <laughs> um, you can find anything out there. And it, it is your friend. You can search up specific rules. You can search up spells and you know it, somebody out has put it out there so i recommend everybody that use google yeah, yeah it is two vital resources through that is one is that when you start googling stuff you realize pretty quick that reddit has a deep well of knowledge for advice and suggestions for running dungeons and dragons games you'll usually find whatever you're looking for through google and reddit and then this, the last one is uh, most of you likely have access to this but to those of you that don't and you can join through our website our discord is a fantastic resource for advice I, i've seen people this week on our discord in the advice section uh discussing running games in the general section um if you ever have questions and you're kind of nervous about asking anywhere else jump in our discord and ask away and you know jim will be nice to you but i'll probably just like let you have it you know a magic missile at 20th level or something but you know he'll be nice to you <laughs> yeah richard is there any other sort of resources or advice you could give to new dungeon master i um and i express this and i can't emphasize it enough D D beyond while the character creation still is not accessible their books are highly accessible and i i love them you know check them out there the books are usually thirty dollars a piece um there's some of their pre-written campaigns that are like 15 but i i highly recommend them and like i said google google reddit like jim said and asking people who are dungeon masters you know they're usually really really easy to talk to and willing to help yeah, we don't have a bunch of grognards anymore that go around saying, oh, you don't know the rules. Like, everyone's pretty helpful. And in terms of the character sheets, I'll put a couple up on our website. One of them in the Excel Apple Numbers format, if you're comfortable using JAWS for tables, that one's pretty good because I've set it up so that it automatically calculates all your modifiers for you. 
Um, you just have to put your character information in. It calculates all your combat stats for you as well. So if you're new to the game as a player or a DM, um, that resource is pretty useful for creating characters. And <clears throat> I can, uh, I'll try to do it tomorrow. I will upload to the Facebook group the uh, character sheet that I particularly use. I'm not saying that Jim's is not good because it is, but I'm more comfortable running like a rich text format, you know, WordPad document. I'm just quicker with it. And being a DM, I need to be quick because, you know, they pull things up the, out of a hat that you aren't expecting and <laughs> you have to be quick with it. And I'm just not that quick with Excel or, you know, things like that. But um, I will start uploading like files to the Facebook group. If you're not a member, shame on you. Uh, if you are a member, you will have access to it. <laughs> I, yeah, I use a Word document with hyperlinks and stuff and then an Excel document as well for running the game. I know as players, a lot of screen reader users prefer Word documents because they can jump through pretty easily. So once you get comfortable with creating a character, you know, the best way of creating a resource is to do it yourself in total honesty. I still create character sheets myself. Um, I don't use the templates from our own website because I just like oh to format God. it in a certain I know, it's blasphemy, <laughs> but I like, to, I like to do it. And so I put my attributes in alphabetical order. I don't care what you guys think. That's what I do. That's what I like. And fuck you. I'm going to do it anyway. God, I swear, it's such a hypocrite. A heatheran. He's a heatheran. <laughs> well, speaking of that, Richard, tell us uh, tell us how your D&D game went this week as a dungeon master. Well, it's the big... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, totally different off-topic there. Um, Well, I had prepared this for roughly a week. Um, And by preparing, I mean, like, while I'm doing exercising or things around the house or, or working, I'm constantly thinking about stuff, which is probably why I burn my hands a lot whenever I'm cooking, but it, it's okay. <laughs> uh, uh, and finally, you know, I had taken notes. Um, I, Jim, I bet you I spent three hours on taking notes of things that needed to be said, some things that I wanted to say as, you know, Strahd and, you know, setting the scene of inside the castle, uh, you know, and, and different things in, in that aspect, which, like, as a dungeon master, you know, you, you want hints of things that you want to describe. So I had all this down. They finally get to the get to the castle. We had a, a player who you know didn't show up on time and, and not making fun of them. Life happens, you know. So I was like, okay, I had to adapt certain things, but <clears throat> then they showed up. I, you know, so we get to the castle and they were to give up all of their weapons. They were under guest rights. Strahd had said that. You know, nothing will happen to you while you're here. He was being 100% honest because he had the whole honor thing going on. Is how I was playing Strahd. Uh, other lores say different things, but as a dungeon master, you get to pick which way you want to go. And that's how I wanted to play Strahd. Um, old school honor. You know, so they get there and they give up all of their weapons. All except one of our sorcerers. <laughs> bless his heart and he and he's playing the character the way he wanted to play and there's nothing wrong with that that's what you're supposed to do and he said so you want to give up you want me to give up all of my weapons and the chamberlain or butler uh for Strahd said yes all of them 
And Helrin, who was the other sorcerer, he was an Asimar sorcerer, said, all of them at once. And the butler said, yes, all at once, as according to what my master has said. So he proceeded to cast all of his spells at once. Now, we talked earlier about Dungeon Masters being able to move things on the fly. I had never come across this particular aspect of you know someone being able to do this or trying to do this so i'm stuck there like well which way do i go so finally you know i made the decision after i think about three or four minutes of like which way should i go that you know i allow him to cast one to two and then you know per round um so and uh, after he went i think i may have allowed him to do it just one as I'm thinking back on it now as I'm talking about it. And we all know I'm from the South, so my brain doesn't work nearly as fast as most other people's. Uh, we, um, he, the butler had this spell. Uh, it's not really a spell, but it's like a R that he puts out. That if you are within 10 to 20 feet or so, um, it's called Deathly Choir because he has killed so many people in his, I think, 400 years of living um in other words he had helped and worked for strahd's father so it had been a long time that if uh, you make a wisdom save and on a failed save you take full 3d 10 worth of damage there is no roll to hit is an automatic hit um on a successful save you take half damage well I rolled for the damage and first round I think I rolled a 28 um second round I think I rolled a 27 and oh these God. are these are is it 27 then 28 or 28 then 27 so, something like that um all the chaos went on and it's hard for me to remember now uh but that they were level 5 players so their hit points aren't that high uh roughly anywhere from 40 to 50 i believe uh and they were they were taken out i mean <laughs> um the only one that managed to escape was kelton and periwinkle who had run towards the door i think they had like <laughs> roughly around uh six points uh kelton did and periwinkle had roughly like 30 or 40 left um but it, it, it totally wiped them out. And I had, being a nice DM, had asked, you know, I know at least twice, but I think more than that, that, are you sure this is what you want to do? Yeah, yeah, it is. Are you sure? Yes. This, you know, okay. Total party kill. And it would have killed everybody if Strahd had not come out and said, stop now. Within two rounds. Because this guy, um, the butler, got three attacks plus his bonus attack of the Deathly Choir. So, in essence, he's getting four attacks per his turn. So, the, and, people should know in D&D, you, you can retreat. You don't, you don't have to stop. <laughs> you can run away. Uh, not this group. <laughs> uh, they, I don't think most of them had time to run away. 
you know, um, but you, you can run away. You can retreat. That is an action. Or um, as they like to say on Wednesday night, the uh, GTFO action. You know. Uh, <laughs> but within two rounds, uh, everyone but Kelton and Periwinkle were down. Three, hold on, let me, yeah, three of the players were way beyond I mean, they wasn't even any point in doing the death-saving throws. <laughs> um, Methanos had made one success, and um, that's when I stopped the episode or the session. He did manage to survive after the fact. Um, he's uh, now a farmer making pies. Kelton is, I don't know, he's probably a prostitute on the streets, and yeah, they're not, not really sure what Terry Wimple's doing now. So, but, the long story short is that Rich is now going to be running Ryan with the Frost Maiden. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's what we all agreed on. Uh, and go figure, it's another horror campaign. And I started taking notes on that for the good it'll do me. Uh, <laughs> at least I will be prepared. And it, it, it brings a lot more into it. Um, I personally yeah. found that Strahd did not seem to be, or the Curse of Strahd did not seem to be that difficult to run. Even though other people say that, you know, it's not a first-time campaign for a dungeon master. I didn't find it that difficult. Uh, I find Rhyme of the Frost Maiden to be a little harder. It could be because I'm, you know, still in the Strahd-like mindset. But it brings a lot more uh, stuff into it, such as avalanches, blizzards. Yeah, it's um, about survival, right? And yeah. horror as well. And I... I put it along the same lines as like the alien RPG that you had run. Yeah. You know, throwing one thing after another at the party so far that you know I've gotten into it. So um, they've they're creating their characters now. We have one that is completely created. Um, no, two, excuse me, that are completely created because I don't do the normal session zero. Yeah, I think. I think it's a waste of time in an aspect, but we all are on the WhatsApp, so we're all talking. So instead of having like an actual session where we sit down and, and create all of this, we do it over the WhatsApp. So it's the same thing. It's just not wasting everybody's time that's sitting there not creating a character. You know, while say, for instance, Zach is creating his character, the other four are sitting there doing nothing. You know, it's <laughs> it works for us. Well, I mean, the session zero is typically to help create a party concept and coherency between the characters. But if you set that uh, precedent with them creating their characters to begin with, you know, this is why you're in Icewind Dale and here's your intention, then that gives them a good framework to go from. But in um, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, I'd imagine from what I've read in it, you'd need a ranger in the party, right? So far, I don't think we have one. Oh, shit. Because <laughs> rations and exhaustion and survival are going to be a big part, man. And to anyone listening from that party, you, you better be a damn ranger. Um, there, There is one that has mentioned possibly being a ranger from what I remember of the WhatsApp conversation. Um, otherwise, I guess I'm going to be known as the uh, DM Reaper, you know, killing <laughs> Yeah, just dying out in the cold, frostbite. I think a, <laughs> a Goliath would be a good species to include it in that party, right? Because they fit with the narrative. Um, 
Yes. Uh, in fact, the campaign mentions that a Goliath would be a good fit, a good species to have there. Go, there. Um, I know that there is one. Uh, dwarves would be really good as yeah. well. Because there's uh, Dwargar <laughs> in that, right? Like uh, deep dwarves. Yes, yes. yes. Um, and what is the... Uh, I'm trying to think of the other... Uh, race that we have. I'm trying to remember what uh what he created. God, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, uh, uh, Luxodon, I think that's how you say Ooh, it. Oh, the elephant guys. That'd be awesome for Icewind Dale. Oh yes. Um, and that is our one of our favorite peoples, uh, species. Um, to anyone so, that doesn't yeah. know what a Luxodon is, imagine the Indian god. I think it's Ganesh, right? The elephant. With with the human yes, body, that's basically so. a Luxodon, but without the extra arms. And you know, think about Dumbo, Babar, and um, <laughs> and the first time, first one I thought of was um, the uh, Colonel or General of the uh, Jungle Book cartoon movie. You know, uh, I can't remember oh. his name now. Man, but, like, it's a you blast know, from the past. I told you I'm old school. You know, we just got it on. <laughs> we just got it on VHS last week. You know, <laughs> but uh, but it, it's awesome. Um, I can't wait for the group to get together Wednesday. I'm super excited for it. Yeah, that's really cool, man. We'll try and actually, I'm going to try and clean up our podcast feed so we may have an extra feed just for uh rhyme of the frost maiden for anyone interested in that adventure and to anyone listening that's like i really want to play in that i'm going to be running the adventure next year as well so there'll be another opportunity to jump in ah so you're going to run rhyme of the frost maiden next year i am yeah so ah, I'm, well you I'm, got one person that's going to play in it already then excellent because <laughs> I, I, I want to play I uh, I played the Icewind Dale video games when I was younger in my teens, um, and so as soon as they announced that, I was like, I've got to play this. <laughs> I, I understand. Um, and strangely enough, Jim, you know who Drizzt Duerden is? Yeah, man. of course I do, man. Um, I thought I had read some of those books, but turns out, no. Oh, so you're reading through not. those now? Uh, I'm trying to get through all like 76 of them, I think. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I, I'd heard the names and thought I had read one, but looking over on the uh, Bard website, I have not. There so, are a uh, lot. Yeah, so now it's like uh, DM homework time, you know. <laughs> yeah, Drizzt actually appeared in an Icewind Dale book originally, I think, right? Yes, yes, I believe yeah. so. Mm, my nerd knowledge coming out, oozing out here on the podcast. So is that your book recommendation, Richard? Uh, no. I, I can't make that one because I haven't read it. But what I can recommend is a book that I got this past week that came out on Tuesday. You know oh, what uh, book I'm what, talking what's it called? I, I don't think I heard you mention anything coming um, out this week. <laughs> uh, what was it called? Something about a, a pot of everything. Oh, oh, yeah, it was... um. Tasha's cauldron of everything. What uh, do you think? Great. I, I love it. Um, the different aspects of the barbarian, which now has a wild magic path. Uh, 
the uh, clockwork sorcerer path, and I'm trying to think of the other sorcerer because yeah. I'm partial to sorcerers. That's that's me because that was my first character. So it's like, uh, I love them. I've never There's played a, a sorcerer or a warlock actually. Really? Oh, the, my character in the local session is a sorcerer level three and a warlock level one. Oh, multi-class so, in there. Oh yes. Um. Which is why he turned evil, the the great well, man that he you know, is. Warlocks, right? <laughs> right. But lots of good information out there. Um, of course, you know, get the first three like players handbook, dungeon master's guide, then monster manual if you're going to buy them. Then I highly recommend getting Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, just for the explanations that you have of the different you know paths that you can take and. It's, oh man, it's just fantastic. It adds a lot of flavor to the classes that are already there. For those that are unfamiliar, it, a lot of it comes from what's called Unearthed Unca Arcana, which is where D&D uh, sort of tries stuff out. So they'll throw something out as Unearthed Arcana, get people to play test it, get feedback, and then sort of flesh it out into the rules like with Tasha's Cauldron. So, I'd never seen some of these before, even though some people are very familiar through Arcana, and I was really impressed with the uh, Artificer, which I can never pronounce, the uh, the sort of subclass, the Artillerist, that has an Eldritch Cannon. I thought that was really cool. I ain't gotten to that reading yet, because I immediately jumped to the Sorcerer, you know, <laughs> of course. Um, but... I do actually have a second recommendation, Jim, if you will allow me. Something that I have found. Oh, I don't I know, know, man. Uh, you know, seeing as this is a collaborative podcast, how, how could I let you? Oh, well, fuck you then. You know, I'll move on. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I found this a couple of weeks ago and when I was on my phone, so I finally got on the computer and looked it up. You're a wrestling fan, correct? That's correct. Well, old wrestling. I don't know anything about wrestling now, but like back from 2004 and before that in the 90s. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. The attitude era, aggression era. Well, so am I. And I'm also a fan of the older school. And I know a couple other people out there on the Discord are. Would you like to care to guess what I found over the past couple of weeks? What did you find? How about a wrestling tabletop role playing game? <laughs> That is amazing. What's it called? Um, Worldwide Wrestling. Uh, I, I actually contacted the person who created the game this morning, uh, writing to see if the PDF was accessible or not, and yeah. offering to make it accessible if it is not. Yeah, we can. Uh, Richard and I are going to try and work together to do a few games, try and make them available to the community. And I what hope. that means is Jim is going to do all the work. I will take the credit. And yes. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I will let everyone know, like in the podcast, as soon as I hear back from, uh, I think his name is Nick. Um, I only saw the name one time, but I will let everyone know because I am super excited for that one. That's really cool, man. Yeah, you could have like your talents or features as your special moves like the people's elbow or <laughs> you know Hulkamania 
yeah, basically, I just want to pile, you know, Tombstone pile drive Jesse's character. That's, that's just really all I want to do. <laughs> we could do the whole Kane Undertaker storyline all over again. Oh, that would be awesome. I would definitely be Paul Bear because I'm fat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Paul Bear is one of the most underrated characters in wrestling. Yes, he is. Oh, but I could go on for a whole other podcast about that. Uh, if anyone interested in, in wrestling stuff, check out Dark Side of the Ring, man. That's really cool. It's on YouTube. Oh, you, oh yes. Oh, fantastic series out there. Uh, I think we covered a lot of what we had talked about. Was there anything else that... Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I know we had mentioned like having players that are interested actually interested in in their character and playing but we can do that next week if you want to put them off again they'll be all right yeah man we talk about player interaction and collaborative storytelling next week that sounds like a good idea i've got a book recommendation for this week i checked out um a book that was recommended through our discord um it's called critical failures and it's an interesting book it's um the language in it is certainly we were warned in the discord they're sort of an edgelord style humor so descriptions in it are you know this character ran away from something like a hooker running away from a crime scene so it's that sort of language and like silly approach it's definitely like a boy's book um i enjoy it Sorry, uh, it could be my biography. You know, <laughs> it's a it's an interesting story. It's it's uh, these guys that play D and D in a restaurant after it closes. They're drinking beers and making yo mama jokes about each other, and then a guy shows up to DM for them who they've never met before. He is, for lack of a better term, a neckbeard who shows up with a cape and his own special dice and stuff. They're making fun of him, trying to run the game, and then things take a turn and change. So, yeah, if you enjoy that sort of, you know, edgy humor and stuff like that, it's an enjoyable read. It's not going to change your life or your opinion on D&D, but it's just a lot of fun if you're just looking for a a silly break from the regular. And um, I also finished up Orconomics, which was recommended to me by Jesse. I really enjoyed that book. I liked it a lot. It's a bit flat in tone for me, a bit too straightforward. I, I like the silliness of um, Terry Pratchett more than this straightforward approach to the silliness of fantasy. And this takes D&D aspects straightforward, like they gain experience points. They uh, are part of a guild. They explain why thugs are thugs and um you know they have heroes who are addicted to potions and stuff like that it's a very interesting book if you run in D or you're looking for ideas for characters i think orconomics could provide uh, a lot of inspiration for you and i'll give you my final opinion of critical failures next week ah and you got that off of uh audible right that's right um i'm not sure if Critical fa- I know that Orconomics, I think that's an Audible original. Um, um, critical Failures, I don't think it's an Audible original, but uh, yeah, I'm enjoying the narration. 
Oh, I may uh, have to check that out because I got like three extra credits this morning because I oh, look so damn sick. So many friggin' credits, uh, and then I don't use them for ages, and then suddenly I use them all up, and I don't have any more left. Um, is there? <laughs> That's the way it goes, right? Is there like different levels of subscription to Audible? Yes, there's a uh, level where you get one credit a month um, for like fourteen ninety five, I think, and then there's a second level. Don't ask me the names because I don't know, and I'm not gonna lie. Um, it's like twenty two ninety five a month, I think, and you get two credits a month. Oh, that's pretty good. And every once in a while, they throw a sale on for the different levels. Like for instance, I got the email this morning about the level where they, you can get three extra credits for like thirty five dollars, I think. That's a steal, so, mate. If you look at yeah. like some audio books, like I know. Um, Brandon Sanderson who is sort of the big name in fantasy uh, fiction at the moment his audiobook's like 60 to 80 bucks yes so I mean you think about it, you're getting a book for like $12 yeah it's it's a steal on some of them I, it, what I do is I go onto Amazon and I check the price of the book and I sort of weigh like is this worth the credit <laughs> <laughs> should I just pay for it uh i know exactly what you mean and you know i do actually do have a different book um recommendation if anyone reads books on kindle i know jesse and i do because it's really accessible on the iphone the gatekeeper i paid 99 cent for it and got the entire book collection for 99 cent um it's, it's sort of like set in the fantasy world um i'm like four percent into it but yet there's like a thousand and something pages you know, yeah. read it when you're sitting there waiting on the doctor or, or whatever. It's, it's really good. And it's called The Gatekeeper. And I can't remember the author's name, but you can find it by searching up for The Gatekeeper. The um, Kindle itself as a device is pretty accessible now because you can connect it to a Bluetooth speaker or headphones and then get it to read through that because I know it didn't have a speaker on it before. But yeah, the iPhone as well. And then you can set it to read and set the speed to three times like an animal <laughs> i can't do it man i can't they sound like chipmunks oh yes but yeah that is it's a really good book you know and yeah I, I definitely recommend it i've been working through the wheel of time for a while in the background you know you have like two or three audio books going at a time I, I have the wheel of time going in the background perpetually because I was told that, oh yeah, once you get a couple of books in, it gets really good. I'm still going through it. The audiobooks are like 40 hours long. So, you know, I, I will give you my ultimate opinion on the wheel of time sometime next year. But yeah, I, uh, I'm trying. So anyone out there that's got any advice for reading the wheel of time, let me know because there are times where I'm struggling with it. I enjoy it more than Brandon Sanderson. I know this will be bl blasphemy, but I do not enjoy Brandon Sanderson's books. I think they're so convoluted and they just stretch everything out and it's just not enjoyable to read. Well, I, I firmly agree with you. It's like you know, Lord so of the Rings, man. It's just, I can't read it. It's just, it's so friggin' boring. It's like the whole WTF. Like, am I still reading this book? God, I got to be close to the end. Oh, I'm only an hour and 15 minutes in. But why I do I need like you? 
Why do I need you to explain how many blades of grass there are in the Shire? Like, I don't need a description of everything. Just tell me what's happening. Exactly. And, and you come across books like that. Like, you think that you're near the end and you realize, oh, I'm only two hours and 17 minutes in. Oh, God, that's the Jesus. worst. Where you're reading an audiobook and then you check the time left and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think I'm going to go do something else. You, you just leave it playing and... You know, hoping that it'll get yeah. to the end and uh wonderfulness, wonderfulness, wonderfulness. Have you had it with audiobooks where you keep zoning out and then you think to yourself, but I really want to read this book and then you end up having to restart it? Um, I call that falling asleep while I'm listening to it. Because <laughs> if you can't if you can't keep my interest, um, and I start like snoring and waking up like you know, and, and my thing is like I'll say start at chapter two and next thing I know it's like chapter 15 uh, yeah I'm just gonna you know let the book keep on playing like evidently wasn't interesting enough to keep my keep me awake technically you've read it according to your audible but you know <laughs> that you <laughs> right you may have listened to it but you didn't hear a word <laughs> alright then Richard is there anything else you want to cover today before we wrap up uh not a whole lot man I uh, can't think of anything just uh y'all have fun out there and you know like we talked about jump into dming you know get your one shot read over it get familiar with it and jump into the pool the water's fine and maybe we can throw out the idea to anyone that might be interested of running a game where we openly talk about what we're doing at each step i mean if that's ever of interest you know richard or i or both of us would be happy to help you out Oh yeah, by any by any means, you know, just let me know and we'll see if we can fit it into our schedule. All right, Richard, and with that, hear you later. If you would like to contact Nice of the Braille, please use the following contact information. Uh, if you'd like to contact me, you can find me at on Twitter at richardbean83. That's R I C H A R D b-e-a-n-8-3 you can also email me at dellejuniorfan83 at gmail.com that's d-a-l-e-j-u-n-i-o-r f-a-n-8-3 at gmail.com and Jim has allowed me to run the Facebook group for Knights of the Braille you can find us by searching us up on Facebook for under Knights of the Braille you can also find our website at www.knightsofthebraille.com. You can email us, knightsofthebraille at gmail.com. And you can contact us on Twitter at Braille Knights, which is Bravo, Romeo, Alpha, India, Lima, Lima, Echo, Kilo, November, Indigo, Golf, Hotel, Tango, and Sierra. You can also join us on our Discord, which is linked through our website. And please present any questions there to us if you need help with anything.